With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening from Coolidge, Arizona. It's a study in Daniel. This is the 9th of May, 2019. And it's a beautiful day here. And I'd like to welcome all the the lovers of the Word of God, for you wouldn't be tuning back into this program if you weren't that. We want to continue, of course, uh, in the study of Daniel. We're still looking very closely at chapter 12, which is the final chapter. Uh, And as we've been going through here, uh, dealing with the timeline and that sort, Uh, All of this is to bring to some sort of conclusion or comprehensive understanding according to the prophecies that we've been reading throughout the writings of Daniel. I think we, we must continue to remember that the nature and purpose of this Old Testament book of history and prophecy um, is important. You know, it was given... And the first point here, it was given to educate and to comfort the captive sons of Abraham in the Babylonian captivity. Uh, And I think it was probably Daniel himself and all that he accomplished uh, probably really uh, helped the, the plight of the Jews that had been carried there in slavery, in captivity. I think because his relationship with Nebuchadnezzar and, and the other kings, I think this, uh, this became a tolerable situation in a lot of ways. So that's one thing. But it was also written to show clearly uh, within the, uh, some of the historical things that happened and, and uh, certainly within the visions it really showed that the God of heaven, that is the God of the Jews, Daniel's God, far surpassed the kingdoms and the powers of men, kings, emperors, conquerors, whatever. This became quite obvious. For he knew their ways. He knew the, the end of things before they began. Uh, that, that is who God is. <clears throat> And I think it's also a perfect chronology of the kingdoms of men, starting from Daniel's time with the Babylonian kingdom that had already usurped and and pushed aside the Assyrian kingdom, Uh, going through the kingdoms of uh, Persia and Mede and the Greek kingdom uh, to the end. Uh, the final kingdom, the Roman Empire. And this brought us clear from Daniel's time all the way through into A.D. 
70 and 74, after the Messiah had come to uh, Jerusalem and to Israel, had been crucified, the church had been born, and the good news spread. All the way through that period, we have written within Daniel. And I, I think that's incredible. Um, you know, because of that chronology, I keep thinking uh, on, on this point, and uh, I don't have any real proof except some of the things that Josephus wrote, um, a number of things he wrote, uh, showing forth that the Jews were aware uh, of the nearness of the kingdom. They were aware of things coming to a conclusion, um, and they seemed to be more and more aware. I think the scholarly people, such as the priests, um, the Pharisees, I think within those writings they could see history being rolled out uh, for them to examine and compare with uh, where they're at or where they've been or where they're going. And I'm sure that many of them did that, but I'm, I'm sure the lion's share did not. Now, these facts that I've just mentioned here really makes me glad that we've embarked on this journey through the book of Daniel. Because <clears throat> as some of the other uh, folks that have actually written uh, textbooks and uh, surveys and, and such on the book of Daniel make it very clear that the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation uh, are very useful to one another. Certainly, Revelation is the completion and, and the uh, technical look, a very close look at all the things that Daniel has, especially in the end times. And tonight, as far as our lesson goes, even though we should pick up in Daniel 12, verse 10, I would like to back up just a little bit to Daniel uh, chapter 12, verse 7 to examine something that I've discovered um, <clears throat> that uh, some may think is a discrepancy because between my uh, Brereton Septuagint and our English versions, we seem to have some, some wording that doesn't, doesn't easily compute, uh, to use a modern phrase. Um, so in... Um, in the Septuagint that I've been using, I'd like to read that uh, verse 7 again. <clears throat> and it says this, And I heard the man clothed in linen who was over the water of the river, and he lifted up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him that lives forever that it should be for a time of times and half a times when the dispersion is ended, they shall know all these things. Now, the issue is the word here, the pronoun they. Um, that, if you were taking that pronoun, and this is the verse, the only verse you read, <laughs> you might say, who's they? Well, you have to go all the way back to verse 1 in this chapter, to pick up the antecedent to that pronoun. But it's there, 
And there's no break in the antecedent and the pronouns in between. Uh, the antecedent being, of course, the children of thy people, that is, Daniel's people, the children of thy people, people coming in the future. And then on, on into that same verse that even talks about thy people again. So the they is referring to, of course, the Jewish people. But most of our translations have uh, some other wording concerning the last part of that verse. <clears throat> so I compared this to uh, the uh, Young's literal translation, which I think is probably the most accurate English translation that we have. Uh, him being also a Hebrew scholar and a Greek scholar. But this is the way he translates verse 7 in chapter 12. And I heard the one clothed in linen, who is upon the waters of the flood, and he doth lift up his right hand and his left hand unto the heavens, and sweareth by him who is living to the age, that after a time, times and a half, and at the completion of the scattering of the power of the holy people, finished are all these. So what we have extra here is the idea of completion of the scattering, although we find this in, also in uh, chapter 7 of Daniel, the same uh, type of thinking. And from other Septuagint, other Greek uh, renderings of this, uh, also this, these words are in there, especially the, the idea of the holy people. The holy people, and the holy people here, of course, uh, have to be uh, the uh, children of thy people, the children of the Jews that lived during Daniel's time. Those were the holy people, the Jewish people, the covenant people of God. And you, you see my concern here. Uh, some may think, well, I, I'm not sure what's meant here. And here's the situation. Um, I don't, I don't uh, want this to be misleading in any way because remember, we're trying to connect the Jewish people of Daniel's day as far as covenant people to the Jews of the prophecy, especially in chapter 12 here and chapter 7 and where we find these end times uh, prophecy. Uh, we're trying to connect those people together uh, without uh, in, in a time frame that we can actually measure. And from Daniel and from, I believe, the New Testament especially, um, this time frame comes to a conclusion in A.D. 70 to 73 as far as these people that we're talking about, the shattering of the holy people, um, the Jews of that time, uh, in, in other chapters, we have also the, uh, uh, the holy people, but uh, what was the other phrase, Alex? Oh, oh, uh, the saints of the, uh, of the Most High. Saints of the Most High being uh, listed, um, uh, talked about in, a, in, a, yeah, in the verse 18, I believe, of chapter 7. Well, let's see, it says, which shall be taken away, and the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess it forever and ever. Now, that is not the 
that is not the uh, holy people that Daniel that are the descendants of Daniel in 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 a whole look at it uh, by by blood at least yeah I'm sure that there's there's Jews that accept the Messiah they are part of that group um, but this is talking of course about the Christians they're the ones that inherit the kingdom. That is forever and ever. You see, the Jewish kingdom has an end. It had a beginning. It had an end. It's all within the pages of our Bible. Um, and, and I think that's important to know. So we have a little different wording here. But you see, we have all the wording that we need to have a clear understanding of this. So you see, between the Septuagint and the different English versions, um, we need to really look at them closely, analyze it, um, especially in the Septuagint here, taking that pronoun they right back to where it belongs so we know who it is that they are. And there isn't any real difficulty in doing that, especially in the Greek. So I wanted to bring that up so we can move on. Um, I want to move on. I'm going to start by uh, looking at verse 8 through 10. Now, we read 8 and 9 last time we met, but we'll include 10 in this because there are a number of points in that verse 10 that we need to look at closely. It is just packed full of great evidences so we can know who's being spoken about. Okay, verse 8, And I heard, but I understood not. This is Daniel saying this. And I said, O Lord, what will be the end of these things? And he said, Go, Daniel, for the words are closed and sealed up to the time of the end. Verse 10. Many must be tested and thoroughly whitened and tried with fire and sanctified, but the transgressors shall transgress and none of the transgressors shall understand but the wise shall understand well believe it or not there's a number of points here and every reference to the people here in this verse we find in the new testament uh in in verse 10 i, I think it's just incredible let's look at uh uh the first one, many tested uh, those Jews that had embraced Jesus as the Christ, and of course the Gentiles also were persecuted. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, just uh, verse 3 and 4. And what do we read? The Apostle Paul is talking to the church there. He says, we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, even as it is met, for that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the love of each one of you all towards one another aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all of your persecutions and in the afflictions which you endure. You see, these are those that were tested. And believe me, they were tested. What were they tested on? Well, the Jews were uh, testing the Jewish 
Christians, trying to get them to deny Jesus and return back to the Jewish way of life. And it was a great testing, and there was a lot of pressure, and a lot of became quite physical as, as time went on. So there was much testing during this time. Now, what is this time period? All of the verses I'm going to share with you and all the what we read in uh, verse 10 of Daniel all happened within the apostolic age. Now, what, what is the apostolic age? A.D. 31 through A.D. 70, or 73 even. So the second one here, the idea of being thoroughly whitened. That's quite a phrase, isn't it? Well, whitened, we, we understand, don't we, that white always means pure. Let's look at Revelation 7, verse 9. And there's many implications of this whitening within the other letters too, but in Revelation it's very clear. <clears throat> and after these things I saw and behold a great multitude which no man could number, out of every nation and out of all the tribes and people and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, arrayed in white robes and palms in their hands. See, we have all sorts of figurative things there, but those white robes are showing the purity of this multitude in front of the Lamb. They are... They are, it's the bride of Christ, if you will. In the throne room. In the throne room. And then uh, if we go to chapter 6 in Revelation, verse 11, we find this uh, same terminology. And this is concerning those that had been martyred. And there was given to them, that is the martyrs, to each one a white robe. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little time, until their fellow servants also, and their brethren, who should be killed, even as they were, should have fulfilled their course. You see, this happened before what we just read. The saints in Christ are figuratively whitened. They're in white robes. Why? Because they're clothed with Christ. Uh, they're covered by the blood of Christ. All that is a whitening, a purifying of the individuals. And isn't it interesting that Daniel is talking about those that were whitened? Now, when did this happen? Did it happen sometime in between, or has it happened after? Well, not in this sense. Every time a, a, a soul becomes a Christian... They, they become whitened by the blood of Christ after this. But this is a group that was all together that we read about in Revelation. You see, before the end of the age. And then the third one is interesting also. Uh, the transgressors will transgress. I believe Revelation talks about the wicked will continue to be wicked. Let's look at Revelation 22, verse 10. Verse 10 through 13. <clears throat> now this is the last book of the Bible, last chapter. And he said unto me, Seal not up the words of the prophecy of this book, 
for the time is at hand. Now you see, this is the completion of Daniel's work, isn't it? This is the completion of the prophecy. It's unsealed. It's revealed. Verse 11, He that is unrighteous, let him do unrighteousness still. And he that is filthy, let him be made filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him do righteousness still. And he that is holy, let him be made holy still. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to render to each man according as his work is. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and on it goes. That phraseology is the same here at this time, just before the Lord is coming, it is at hand, as it is written in Daniel here, talking about the same period of time. You see the connection? I hope you do. If you do, you've entered into a, a completely new understanding about the time of the end, spoken of in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the time of the end is is not sometime in thousands and thousands of years ahead of time, but it happened within the lifetime of those that were being spoken to. Now let's look at the other one. The next one is the wise. Who are the wise? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. It says this, For they themselves report concerning us what manner, of en- uh, what manner entered in we had unto you, and how you turned unto God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivereth us from the wrath to come. We ought to check the Greek on that that verse and see if that's about to come. I didn't have time to do that. All right. Verse 10. Wrath to come, okay, it's not it's not mellow in this one. Mellow here. But it's the wrath to come. Now when is the wrath coming? That's the question. Is it in the future? Far in the future, or has the wrath already came? Well, according to Revelation, the wrath is to come and the wise, the wise, that is those that have accepted Christ. The Jews that accepted Christ as their Messiah and the Gentiles that were converted and, and all of those that, that had died in Christ before the, the day, the day of the Lord, they would be raised and resurrected. Just as we read in Revelation, let, let him who is righteous That's right. you know, be righteous still. That's right. In other words, this is, this is, a, 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 this is a decision for each person to make on their own, you see. Uh, I think that's very important. Now, the last one here is the sanctified. 
sanctified. Ephesians 4, verse 23 and 24. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. Speaking of being sanctified, these are the qualifications. Uh, well, I'll read verse 22 also. That you put away as concerning your former manner of life, the old man that waxeth corrupt after the lust of deceit. You see, that's the person before they have made a correct decision before they have become wise. Verse 23, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man that after God hath been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. In other words, putting on that new man, being clothed in Christ, All of these things all fit together in the same idea of being sanctified. Um, We're putting away the falsehood uh, of the flesh. And remember, all of these things happened within the apostolic age. And that's what's important as far as our timeline goes. So if we can look at verse 10 uh, in... uh, Daniel chapter 12, and find that all of those things in that verse have to do with things that happened in the apostolic time period, what kind of a conclusion should we come to as far as when these things are to be? I I think that should be helpful. You know, we could go on and on with verses concerning this particular thing. But what we see here is the fulfillment of Daniel's vision in these occurrences that we read about here, especially in this verse, in the last day or the last hour, as the apostles put it. And the New Testament is replete with verses and statements such as this. And it's a good thing. Because God's left us all of this, we we can know. And it is important. Uh, Does it destroy uh, the, the church in any way? Does it diminish the church? Not at all. It strengthens the church, in my understanding. Uh, and it shows through the Bible what we find is that what God says, what he promises, What happens is exactly as he has ordained. There are no unfulfilled prophecies uh, prophecies and promises in the Bible. What what he reveals, he reveals and sees to it quickly. That's right. We're almost almost twice as long away from the fall of Jerusalem as Daniel was to the fall of Jerusalem. That's true. We're twice as far out. What, yeah. Why would we still be waiting? And you know, we can, we can sympathize with people looking forward in prophecies to maybe not getting it right. But when we're looking back, we should be getting it right. You see, we've got, as the restoration preachers of, of uh, almost 200 years ago said, they had more light. They had so much more light than those that lived in the Dark Ages. 
that there, there's no excuse for getting it wrong. There's no excuse for misunderstanding and being ignorant of God's Word. That's where we're at today. We've got so much light uh, that we can't miss anything on any page. We shouldn't. But let's press on uh, in Daniel chapter 12. Verses 11 and 12, let's read them, and then we can uh, speak about what is being said here. So the angel is speaking, and he tells Daniel this, And from the time of the removal of the perpetual sacrifice, by the way, that word removal could also be the word change. Uh, in the Septuagint, uh, there's a, from the Alexandrian, there is a, a, it could be changed or removal, okay? When the uh, abomination of desolation shall be set up there, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waits and comes to the thousand three hundred and thirty-five days, Okay? Those two verses. Now, this week we did email out a a chart concerning this time period and these two verses. Uh, And the chart, of course, is uh, is a part of uh, um, is a part. Well, actually, it was copied from one of the pages of Kurt Simmons' book on Daniel. A very comprehensive book, a very good book. And this chart, I think, is really good. And as you'll notice, uh, if you have that chart, if you're looking at it or you printed it out or you have it on the screen, um, you'll see the, the, the scale down below. It starts with uh, just a little before 66 and goes past 70. That, that's A.D., that's the time period. So the the concept is this. Um, Caesar's sacrifice refused. That's way over to the left-hand side. On the 3rd of Ab, A.D. 66, that's around July, the July time of, of year in, in our rendering, A.D. 66, what happened then? Well, I'll tell you what happened. The, uh, there had been a change, uh, most people feel. Not, not, not the, uh, it was finally taken away. But this sacrifice that was known as the morning and evening sacrifice that the Jews had had for many, many years had, had become a political sacrifice. And now they were calling it Caesar's, and Romans would come and offer something to be sacrificed as a friendship offering between the Jews and Rome. It was refused by the priests, the 3rd of Ab, A.D. 66. And that began on our timeline. We can see how it runs the 1,290 days, and then below it says 1,335 days. Now, the next point is, you'll see 
at the end of the 1290 days, Titus marches from Alexandria on the 3rd of Adair, A.D. 69. This is February and March, uh, A.D. 69. And what did he do? He marched to Caesarea, where he assembled his armies. Now, the thinking is that the actual, if you remember the words of Jesus from Matthew 24 and, and Luke Luke 21, um, and even Mark 13, I believe, that the idea of when you see the armies encircling Jerusalem. But you see, the armies had a starting point. It, it was an affront, of course, to the Jews when that army was assembled and started marching towards Jerusalem. That's the thinking here. And that, that's why the dates are given. And then for the 1,335 days, we go another 45 days. That's when Titus actually arrived uh, in the Jerusalem area, established a camp in Jerusalem, actually a number of camps around the city, but one main one, on the 18th of Nisan, A.D. 70. That's in April. That's in April. Now, what you don't have on your chart is if you go on towards the end, uh, about the 8th of August is when the city finally fell. Now, all during this time, friends, we have a, we have a starvation situation in Jerusalem. We have carnage, unbelievable. And uh, that's how this chart works. You know, uh, it's a good chart. Uh, uh, Brother Simmons has done a good work here. Seems very good to me. There are, as you know, <laughs> uh, many different ideas about how to list these years, the seven years, the three and a half years, etc., etc. Uh, uh, when to start, when, where it ends. But you know, we kind of we know some of these things for sure, especially this. This uh, third of Ob 66, this is a real event. This is recorded in history. Josephus knows the exact date that Caesar's sacrifice was refused at the temple. Who was it refused by? Well, the priests. But remember, during that time period, the, uh, the three powerful, powerful factions of rebel Jews, uh, who, who, by the way, were opposed to each other too, all claiming to have messianic uh, abilities in themselves. They were all in the city stirring up this trouble, and this is what occurred. The war started. They had a, they had a scrimmage with the uh, Roman army and defeated the, uh, the, the soldiers that were there at that time, and that started the whole activity. When the word got back to Nero, he sent Vespasian with the Roman army to destroy Jerusalem and the Jews. That's when it started. So I think this chart is very good. Um, and I, I believe the dates, the dates that are on here are, are very close. Whether or not they, they'll, they fit with everything as far as these dates that we have in Daniel and Revelation, 
is is going to be up to you. Now remember, uh, the Jews had a 365 or a 360 day year, <laughs> and um, that does confuse things just a little bit. Did, did the Romans have their own? Uh, uh, time frame, or were they working? Romans had their own months and 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 uh, okay. yes, and, I know and the, the I, I'm not yes. There, there's a lot of different there's some confusion, but you see on the main dates and the main points, we can pretty much point it out. Um, mostly thanks thankfully to Josephus especially. Because he was somebody who was there, an eyewitness, a Jew, a Pharisee, even a member of the priesthood. And his mother and father and one of his siblings was actually inside the walls of Jerusalem during these horrendous days in Jerusalem. And he had much interaction with the Jews trying to talk to them, as I've read before, how even the Romans were pleading with the Jews to give up before total destruction had to be accomplished. But um, by the providence of God, that's exactly what happened. And the punishment was complete in Jerusalem during those times. So uh, that, I think, should should cover verses 11 and 12. So we can look at the last verse. By the way, that's Marcorios in verse 12. Not, you know, eulogy. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that and that's that's very telling, isn't it? Um, let's look at that again. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's go back to the Daniel Septuagint text, and uh, yeah. And, and you realize the word Marcarius there in verse 12 is not uh, spoken well of. It, it, it's the word for content and, um, and, and settled in spirit. Uh, so content and settled is he that waits. Um, you see, it's, it's not a blessing from God. This is the condition of the, of the person that is waiting. Um, this is their their persona, if you will. So uh, that says a lot. Thanks for bringing that up because I didn't even look at that. But there there are no uh, everything you study and, and dig into only only supports the weightiness of these words. Each word being very weighty in itself. So the last verse, and the last verse leads to a lot of teaching a lot of comments. And it says in the the Septuagint, but go thou, says the angel, and rest. For there are yet days and seasons to the fulfillment of the end. And thou shalt stand in thy lot at the end of the days. The angel speaking to Daniel here. This is a message for Daniel. And it tells him a whole lot 
about this. Now, he knows that these things are in the future, right? But he says, go now and rest. Daniel was going to rest with his fathers. Daniel was going to um, put aside the, uh, the physical life and rest with his fathers as so many righteous Jews did. And remember, Daniel was in his, uh, by our reckoning, in his mid-80s or maybe just a little older. So certainly he was becoming an, uh, an older man, especially for that day. <clears throat> so we understand this. This is the rest. Um, you know, the, many times uh, death is referred to as sleep and things of this sort, but rest fits very here, well here. Uh, because that's um, that's the idea. Then, then thou doth rest. Now the next thing is said: there are yet days and seasons to the fulfillment of the end. Now, what's the end? The end has everything to do with the with the topic of this whole chapter. That is, your people. The, the sons of Abraham, the Jewish people, those from Israel. Um, to the prince was standing up again. That's right. Um, there, there, there's no question about that. To their end, right? Uh, end of the Jewish period. The end of the first covenant period, if you will. But we know towards the end of that, we know that things happened. The Messiah came. The Jews knew when the Messiah came, that meant that they were in the last days, that things would be brought to a completion, a, 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 a completion of the age, as it was known. Um, the apostles said that to Jesus when they were sitting and uh, asking him about these things in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and Mark 13. That's what they said, the end, the, the uh, completion of the age. They understood that as Jews because he was the Messiah. And that's what the angel's telling Daniel here. Fulfillment of the end for his people. And then he goes on to say, and this is something that's in Daniel that a lot of folks don't realize is spoken of here. It's not spoken of too much in the Old Testament. The idea of resurrection. Thou shalt stand up. Here it says stand. But you see that the word resurrection in Greek means stand up. Thou shalt stand up, be resurrected. It's a promise of resurrection. Job talked about it. Uh, Ezekiel, of course, talked about it. Uh, Daniel's speaking about it. The angel is telling him. With thy lot. In other words, thy lot being the the, the uh, his tribe would be the tribe of Judah. He was from the from uh, he was the son of uh, the tribe of Judah, being in the the royal line from uh, Judah through David, Solomon, and on. That was his lot, if you will, at the end of the days for his people. 
You know, one of the, and here's, uh, here's the point I'm going to bring up right now. We've got a few moments to look at. Why did Josephus, as I keep saying, Josephus was an eyewitness of these things in Jerusalem. And this is what the future is. So I say, well, if Jesus returned then, why, don't, why didn't anybody see him? Why isn't there books written uh, uh, from people that saw him uh, there? Okay, well, you know, we have those books. <laughs> Daniel and Revelation and the other references in, in, in the epistles. But they're not recognized as, as that. So I'm going to show you why people didn't see and they're not reporting something that's all with their eyes. Um, mostly because, uh, as, as we'll discover here, there's three, three verses I want to read. And they're from Matthew, Matthew 24, verse 30. We'll read that first. And we'll see the word that I'm going to show you, Matthew 24, 30. <clears throat> Jesus said, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You see the word see there? They shall see. Okay, let's go to Luke 21, 27. These are parallel passages, real ones. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power in great glory. I'm talking about exactly the same time period here. And then in Mark 13, 26. Mark 13, 26. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Okay, then what happens when that the verse next tells us? And then shall he send forth the angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from the uttermost parts of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. You see, this is more than just in Jerusalem, isn't it? But it also includes Jerusalem uh, and, and those that have died. Now, here's the word. The word see. The word see there is what's important. There is, I believe, 13 or 14 different definitions, different Greek words for the word see. Um, also, we found in, in, uh, in uh, Mark 13.26, the idea of the word see here being in the middle voice. Now that kind of uh, that kind of tells us kind of is going to really fit in nicely with the definition. I went to my trusty Bollinger again, once again, the Greek lexicon, and we find that there's a number of of these words that are talking about see, using the eyes, uh, different uh, options here. But there's, a, there's one Greek word. All these are different Greek words. And in each one of these verses, the same Greek word is used 
and it's listed under 8A. And it's very different. It says it's used as a future and passive uh, in the grammar. Is is referred to the object presented to the eye and to the subject which perceives at the same time. It denotes not the action of seeing, like numbers 5 and 8, but the state of him and the affliction uh, affection of the mind of him to whose eye or mind the object is presented. And here's the, the kicker, to truly comprehend and know. So I refer this to, you know, when, when we're thinking, when we're considering, when we're deliberating in our own minds, and then we make the statement, oh, now I see. Well, is it? are you talking about something you saw with your eyes or... You're talking about the fact that you have great understanding now of something. That is exactly the issue here. And the Old Testament talks about seeing him. I think it's, um, um, oh, I, I, it slips my mind now, What, what uh, which, which one of the books, it's in a number of them, but the idea of seeing him, seeing the one that has been pierced, if you will. Um, this is not the idea of seeing something. This occurred, this presence of Christ, not, not the coming of Christ. The word is presence, remember. The presence of Christ. Christ was in his resurrection body. Christ is spirit. They didn't see a spirit, but the presence of Christ was there. He was everywhere. He was made known. And he was made known to all those that awaited him, all those that fit into the idea of they had died in, as a righteous Jew, that they would stand up as Daniel here. He's going to stand up with his lot in the presence of the Messiah, the end of days, and he would know for sure. Daniel, see, at that moment, knew for sure how all this ended. He asked the question, how does it end? He didn't get an answer because it wasn't to be revealed yet. But now, now there's an answer. So did Josephus see this? No, but he heard many things. He heard all sorts of stories after the fact about some things that had happened in Jerusalem. Uh, even be, even right after the war had started when he was there. Um, and the priest wrote years later, some that survived, that the, the great dread that was over the, um, over the uh, uh, priesthood, those that were part of the temple, those of the leadership, they understood uh, that the circumstance had changed very much. And they knew there was, as what they call, they used the word dread. It was a great dread. Uh, they heard, uh, they heard chariots, and they heard a rushing sound in the temple, and they heard a voice say, "Come, uh, let us depart," and things of this sort. These things were heard in Jerusalem. So when we look at this idea of seeing something, if we're going to say 
It didn't happen because no one saw it with their eyes and no one wrote a book about it. Then we'd be wrong. Because we can't argue with, with, with the actual word used in the Bible. If the word was see with the eyes and the eyes only, then we'd have a different circumstance, but we don't have that circumstance. And in each one of those three verses, both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all the same word, all in the middle voice, every single one. I just, just checked, and anybody who wants right. to see for themselves, we can show you. They're all in the middle voice, which just adds to the, the weight of the idea uh, that this is an inner, uh, this is something that occurred within the person. They had an understanding and knowledge that the presence of Christ, which, by the way, was the, was the beginnings of the full-grown kingdom of God because all had been accomplished by that time. At that instant, all had been accomplished. Everything written had been accomplished. Next week, we're going to have the conclusion, um, some high points, and, and, a, and a look at what I think we, we can take away from the whole study and add to um, the things that we need to move on. That will be the, our last, uh, last program on the study of Daniel. It will be episode 48, I believe, uh, and it will bring us to a conclusion. So we bid you good evening, and let us ask the Lord to be with us. Our Father, as we have come to this point, we pray that we will be able to use the vast information that you have supplied to us through your word. We are, Father, those that hold your word dear, and we do believe it. And we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.